I spoke about Bhakti Siddhartha recently when I was here because his day of leaving the world we also commemorate and it was in, uh, in December so he was speaking about his appearance and in either case we speak about his, his life but on, on that occasion previously I mentioned the uh, story that reminded of again as we sang Param Prabhupada Param Prabhupada we have our Prabhupada and Prabhupada has his Prabhupada so the, the story was for some of you who weren't here and sure you won't object for those who were my repeating it that um, my godbrother Krubhikram Swami was uh, um, helping Prabhupada uh, our Guru to unpack his belongings in Buffalo, New York many, many years ago in the uh, late 1960s when he was arriving there at a fledgling uh, center and uh, as he was unpacking his things he, there was a picture of Bhakti Siddhanta, Dr. Prabhupada's guru. So he pulled it out, Tirukram Swami, Prabhupada's disciple, my God, but pulled it out and looked at it and I thought, where will I put this? And then Prabhupada looked and saw him and said, just put Prabhupada over there. <laughs> and because we always refer to our guru as Prabhupada, hearing him say, put Prabhupada over there, it kind of caused Tirukram Swami to kind of, oh, yeah. And then he probably chuckled and said, I have my problem part too. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> it's a uh, um, not that, uh, honorific, of course, uh, and um, it can be applied to any great saintly person in the, uh, in the tradition. Um, but it was... Oh, I forgot to put this on. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, it was um, it was also uh, a honorific that uh, we began to honor our Guru Maharaj with, referring to him as Prabhupada, and interestingly enough, the occasion, as I recall, on which that uh, brought which brought that about was um, because previously he was referred to as Swami and Swamiji and and so forth. Uh, the occasion was when he went back to uh, India with some of his disciples and uh, and, and uh, took them to Pujapat Sridhar Maharaj's Math Sridhar Maharaj again, who wrote this song we just sang. On the day of the birthday or the appearance day of Sridhar Maharaj, Prabhupada told his disciples, today we will go and learn how to conduct the, the Vyasa Puja. So the Vyasa Puja is, is the puja, the worship, uh, the honoring of the uh, person, the of in the disciplic line or, or chain who's representing Vyas, the great uh, uh, author, whatever, editor of the, of the sacred texts, right? The, 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 red, the, the sky, the mind of Vyas said, no, no limits, such are the Vedas that came. Uh, from him, and so on. So, Yasa Puja. So anyway, that was the, the the day that they were celebrating that in Sridhar Maharaj's ashram, his disciples for him, and Prabhupada was um, close with him, of course, and so he took his disciples there, and that was honored. And in that setting, 
uh, Akinjin Krishnadas Babaji Maharaj, who is another uh, uh, godbrother of Prabhupada and Sridhar Maharaj, another disciple of Bhakti Siddhanta, the three of them were, were quite close. Sridhar Maharaj was particularly close with uh, Akinjin Krishnadas Babaji Maharaj. And, um, and we'll go into it, but at any rate, he used to come to the temple, his, his ashram, and, and do kirtan, which he was famous for. Babaji Maharaj, if you'd ask him a question, he'd say, Hare Krishna, <laughs> for the most part. That was practically the only thing that ever came out of his mouth. So, uh, And he would move seamlessly between different um, uh, monasteries and even different sects, uh, just chanting and so forth. So um, he was at Sridhar Maharaj's moth and celebrating, along with his disciples, with Sridhar Maharaj's disciples, the, the day of Sridhar Maharaj's appearance. And so he sang um, uh, a song, and at the end of it he began to chant, Jai Prabhupada, Jai Prabhupada, I think it was this song, Jai Prabhupada, Jai Prabhupada, and Prabhupada's disciples liked that, and um, maybe maybe they had started calling him Prabhupada, I'm not sure, but at least, if not, they started at that time. If they had started it after that, they started chanting it, because they liked that. That sounded kind of, that was kind of nice, you know. So it was incorporated, so this kind of, the, a little bit of the history of a famous uh, chant, if you will, in Prabhupada's uh, institution. <laughs> Where, where the history uh, comes from. Is, these are good things to find out. Uh, uh, some of you will appreciate that point <laughs> more, more than others. Uh, so, um, um, so, anyway, Prabhupada had his Prabhupada, uh, Prabhupada, they had their Prabhupada, Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, as he was affectionately referred to. Um, I'm reminded of a book that was published under the auspices of Bhakti Pramod Puri Goswami, which another disciple of Bhakti Siddhanta, another contemporary of, of my Guru Maharaj, um, who I had the honor of being associated with after uh, my Prabhupada's dis- disappearance. It's complicated, all these Prabhupads, but hope you're following me. But uh, So Pramod Puri Goswami Maharaj, under his auspices, a book was published about the uh, life and the contribution of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur. Uh, Mandala Publishing was uh, did, did the work, and uh, that was led by one of Puri Maharaj's disciples, who I introduced to Puri Maharaj Ramdas. Some of you may know him, and so at any rate, when they're up scheming to put the book together and so forth, and, and it would turn out to be a big kind of art book, and they thought, what will be the title? Uh, uh, how will we address Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur? was often how we used to f- refer to him um, in our group, mm-hmm. whereas his own disciples referred to him affectionately as Prabhupada, as we did to our Prabhupada. We tend to call him Bhakti Siddhanta, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. But uh, the generation before us, of course, um, uh, referred to him affectionately as Prabhupada. So, when they were make these were later generation devotees, and they were making the book, and they they suggested the title Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Saraswati Thakur, and they were thinking, what shall we call him? And then Puri Mars, who again under whose auspices the book was being written, he looked up and he said, 
Prabhupada. <laughs> and it was, again, it was kind of a, uh, it's a kind of with a form-breaking kind of answers and so forth that take you beyond your, your you know, canned idea of in the box of how things are and who's who and what name goes who, who and so on, so on and so forth. So the book came out. I think it would we think it said Saraswati Thakur Prabhupada down the side or something like that in big, in big letters. That's how that one came about. Yeah. Uh, so they had their Prabhupada, and he was a very extraordinary uh, person. We're honored to uh, gather together and say something about him on this um, occasion. Um, uh, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur Prabhupada <laughs> was, uh, appeared in the world in 1874. Hmm. So we're getting old to be able to know about somebody and have a connection indirectly one generation after somebody from 1874. Uh, and uh, in, uh, in Jagannath Puri, he was born. This is, of course, a very holy town, a town, a uh, uh, seaside town in, uh, in, in India where Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, spent many, many years uh, in Sankirtan and where he ultimately, by the force of his Sankirtan, uh, retired from public life. The force of his kirtan, his outreach, his chanting and so forth, awakened within the ideal, of course, that he uh, was pursuing. And it, um, uh, the power of the kirtan had such force that, that, again, he became uncontrollably, he was drawn within and unable to function really in regard to uh, the public. These are, this is the anti-lila, the last part of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's manifest lila, and when he's in the company of Ramananda Roy and Swarup Damodar, hmm, whom Krishnadas and Chaitanya Charitamrita compares to uh, Subal and Saki and how they counsel Krishna and Radha in their moments of separation from one another. And of course Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Radha and Krishna combined, and so was an appropriate uh, type of uh, comparison. Um, so Jagannath Puri is, of course, famous for that. It's also famous, and its fame uh, brought out by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. It's famous because of his presence there for us, but it's also famous in terms of the conception that um, that he, in the angle of vision through which he viewed the place and the deity of Jagannath. Um, because Jagannath is a very general name. Jagat means the world, the universe, and Nath means the Lord, so the Lord of the universe. And there are all kinds of people that come to Jagannath Puri to worship Jagannath. He's worshipped by Buddhists. The priests who control the temple are Dwaitans from the Shankar lineage, just to give you an example. Uh, the uh, 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 so those are uh, two extremes, if you will. Uh, it t- typically, Buddhists aren't, uh, uh, especially the modern neo-Buddhism is is, is not. Uh, wouldn't call it very worshipful necessarily, uh, especially the Zen side of it and so forth. And Advaita, of course, we it's it's similar. But at any rate, uh, these are just two types, and many, many, many pilgrims from all different religious conceptions come to worship Jagannath. Who knows who they think he is? Um, and his form, of course, is 
is uh, rather um, odd. Uh, his arms are like this, like almost like stuck in, and his eyes are wide. And you've seen him carved. And the next to him is another deity, Baladev, and and in the center, well, in the center is a Subhadra and Balad. So they're very esoteric-looking uh, deities, and the people have different conceptions of who they are. And it's a city of worship. Hmm? Um, when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to reside there in Jagannathpuri, where Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur was was born, then um, the the his devotees from Bengal, from Mayapur, would come there annually for the Rathiyatra, the famous festival where Jagannath comes out of the temple, placed on these big chariots, and is uh, uh, taken through the streets. And who knows what that's about? So there's all kinds of conceptions about that. The British, for example, they they call it the juggernaut, who tramples anything in its path, is how they looked at it. Hmm? Because even sometimes it's said that some Hindus would throw themselves under the cart and and take their lives in the thought that they would go to go to Bhikuntha and get liberated by that. Not a common thing, hmm? but. Uh, also, it's it's a it's a huge festival. I mean, millions of people come, and so you could get stepped on. <laughs> uh, so anyway, they, they they didn't understand it. Obviously, the British they had some idea that was like, watch out, the juggernaut is coming. You know, <laughs> he's going to trample everything in his path, something like that. But the way in which Chaitanya Mahaprabhu saw him, hmm, there is no more beautiful understanding and deeper understanding of who the deity is when his associates were were coming from Bengal hmm, the first year of his um, residing there and their visiting the uh, the king Rajpratapurudra went up on the roof of the Jagannath temple which is a huge temple I think there are 54 kitchens in the temple they cook there's more Hmm? Stoves. There's more cooking for the deity of Jagannath than in, in any temple anywhere in the world. They cook so much. The, the prashadam there is famous. Famous. If you get Jagannath prashadam from hundreds, thousands of miles away, it's a great uh, honor and so forth. Very famous for that. Uh, so it went up on the roof, and here are these hundreds of devotees coming from Bengal, and Pratsparudra marches there, and who, his guru, Sarvabhoma, who's now been converted by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, as has the Raj. Hmm? These were elderly people, the king and his his um, pandit, Sarvabhoma, who was a famous, famous, famous logician in India, very wise person, and they were converted by this 24-year-old lad, uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, as a, as a sannyasi. You can imagine his his charm. Hmm? And, um, and so there's a conversation recorded in Chaitanya Charitamrita, uh, related in Chaitanya Charitamrita by Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami. And uh, Sarvabhoma, I think it's Sarvabhoma, is asking, who's that one? And who's that one? And the brother-in-law of Sarvabhoma, Gopinath, is there, and he knows them because he was familiar with them in Bengal. And I think he's speaking, and he says, this one is so-and-so, this one is so-and-so, this one is so-and-so. And at a certain point, uh, I believe it's Sarvabhoma says, um, I've never, or the king, the king's the Raj says, I've never seen anything like this. They're, Kirtan, as they're approaching 
the town in ecstasy. He, this is the king who has seen worshippers of all varieties, pilgrims from all different sects, Jains, Buddhists, Hindus, um, coming to Jagannath Puri. Um, maybe Jesus went there, for all we know, uh, <laughs> and had an idea of who that was, and so forth. He said, I've never seen any worshippers like this before. Hmm? What kind of worship, what kind of, what, what conception are they, you know, dr- driven by, and so forth, these followers of Chaitanya? And was it Sarvabhoma? He says, Chaitanya Shishta Prem Sankirtan. Hmm? He said, this is, the, this is the Prem Sankirtan. It is the Chaitanya Shishti. It's the creation of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He brought this to the world. Hmm? This is a very special dispensation. What's behind the chanting? Other people may chant, Krishna Nam, for example, the name of Krishna. But what was the conception? Nam Shrestam, Raghunatha. Nam Shrestam, Api Sachiputram, Matrasarupam. He prayed, Oh, I'm fortunate to receive from my guru this the Nam Shrestam. The Shrestam means like, it refers to the conception, highest conception behind the name, what it translates out, what, what, what it's speaking about in the fullest uh, expression of the, of, of, of the combination of the three names, Hari, Krishna, Rama, and so forth. So, very uh, special place, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu made it famous by his presence there, and also by his understanding of what what's going on there, hmm? and so forth. So, I um, mean, basically, he saw Jagannath as Krishna in Dwaraka, which is a metropolitan leela of Krishna, at a time in which he has heard. In the other overheard in the other room, the queens of Dwarka speaking about Vrindavan and the gopis and the love of him there, and it caused him to go into ecstasy, and his arms got pulled in and his eyes got wide, and so so the deity is depicting that ecstasy. So it's Dwarka looking at thinking about Vrindavan. It's not just Dwarka. Dwarka is one thing. Jagannath Puri is a moment in Dwarka. Hmm? in which Dwarkanath, Krishna, is completely focused on Vrindavan. Pujapatrita Maharaj called it, Jagannath Puri, a train wreck, a collision between the Dwarka idea, which is some type of majestic love for Krishna, and the Vrindavan idea, which is a human-like, intimate love for Krishna, both of them colliding, and, and there's Jagannath as the product of this train crash, if you will. So... <laughs> It, and so this Rathiatra, significant, is conducted annually. And Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthitaka was born during the Rathiatra. Hmm? Well, not born during the Rathiatra, but born in the town where the Rathiatra is performed. And shortly after his birth, the Rathiatra was performed, and somehow the cart got stuck right at his house. Bhaktivinoda's house, and, it's, and he could, couldn't, they couldn't move it for three days. There was a breakdown. Hmm? So these things are very uh, extraordinary. We, we know from Chaitanya Charitamrita that sometimes the cart would stop, and they couldn't move it, and they got elephants behind it to push it, and the elephants couldn't move it, and there was no stones holding it back. Hmm? And then, and, 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 But the reason it actually had stopped... It's because Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his kirtan party had moved from in front of the Jagannath cart and brought the kirtan to the back 
and Jagannath is looking, is Krishna, looking for Radha, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna in the bhava of Radha, hmm? who he's looking for Radha and he's seeing, and now she's disappeared and he's stopped. Hmm? So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu could understand why the cart was stopped until he brought the kirtan in front and began to dance, and then the, kirt- the cart began to move again. Hmm? Now I'll tell you a modern history that's interesting, because Prabhupada... My Prabhupada, one of them. Uh, when I, one day he called me in Mayapur to his room, and he said, um, just out of the blue, and, and he said, um, when I was young, when I was a boy, then I had uh, a... Um, my father gave me a cart, a Rathiatra cart. It was like a toy, like kids get toys now. This is the kind of toys they got at that time, a Rathiatra cart. And he said, and I used to perform the Ratha Yatra hmm, as a kid, you know. He said, and all the neighbors would come and they thought it was just play. And then he opened his eyes real wide. He said, but it was real. Hmm? And it, he said, that I used to keep the cart by my bedside. And in the night I'd wake up and reach out and touch it and make sure it was still there. Hmm? And he had, he told us at other times, that he had this desire as a child somehow to get a train to Puri and... This is his childhood ambition, and, and, and attend the Ratha Yatra. Hmm? Um, and, and then, so he told me that, too, and he repeated, I had known that. And he said, and now, he said, I'm doing it all over the world, because he started Ratha Yatras in North America. When he got his first disciples, what happened, of course, is in San Francisco, where he had a kind of fledgling temple. One of his, his disciples was in, a, like, a Pier 1 import store or something like that, and found this little deity of Jagannath. The, the Jagannath deity, the carved deity in Jagannath Puri is, must be like eight feet tall. But sometimes they make little ones too. So they, they found, she, she actually saw that and thought, probably might like that. She didn't have any money and she stole it. <laughs> and brought it back and asked Prabhupada, Prabhupada, I thought, I got this you know, at the store and I, I wonder if you knew who, you know, looks Indian. And Prabhupada said, Jagannath has come. Hmm? He said, were there any others there? Yeah, there was another little one. He said, can you get those too? That's the Balaram and Subhadra. And she said, well... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and she explained that she stole it, and he kind of chuckled. He said, well, you know, here's some money, go back and buy them, you know. So then Prabhupada took the little ones and had some of it. He thought, Jagannath has appeared, so he wants to have a festival here. So that's how Prabhupada kind of ran his mission. He thought through his disciples, they're chanting... Krishna's giving some inspiration, something happens, we follow the lead like that. So then he had his disciple, uh, maybe it was, was the Shamsunda, carve big Jagannath deities, and then they put a flatbed truck and put them on the, that was the chariot, on the truck and took it through the Golden Gate Park um, with Kirtan and so forth, and gradually turned into, uh, in the early, early 70s, into an annual festival that had attendance of uh, uh, as much as 10,000 people. I attended some of those, Rathi, I just probably you did as well. Um, and so during one of them, I think it was 1975, I had taken sannyas earlier in that year, and um, we were doing the Rathiyatra, and Prabhupada would sit on Subhadra's cart. And so at a certain point in the Rathiyatra, the whole thing stopped, and Prabhupada stopped it. So there's another instance, right, where the cart is stopping. He stopped it, 
And we're all chanting. There's 10,000 people there. And Prabhupada got down from the cart and walked into the wooded area of the park and answered the call of nature. And then he got back up, washed his hands, got up and back on the cart, and it went again. So after the Rathiyatra was all over, somebody asked, what was the best part of the Rathiyatra, you thought? You know, and the answer came, well, the, that, that the whole Rathiyatra stopped. Jagannath stopped his whole procession to you know, convenience. He inconvenienced himself for his devotee who had, who had brought him to America, who had done these festivals and everything. <laughs> it was a very beautiful idea of Krishna serving his devotee in a very prominent way. So these are little, little things to notice that are, uh, are, are significant. And uh, the devotional perspective on, there's obviously material perspective on everything, why the cart stopped and let's get the scientists out here. We don't believe it, you know. <laughs> but uh, these are the... These are the realities behind it. There's feeling behind it all. So, at any rate, the cart stopped in front of the house of Bhaktivinoda, and the garland of the Jagannath deity fell, and the priest, and meanwhile, Bhagavati Devi, the wife of Bhaktivinoda, was holding the young Bhimal Prashad, as he was named at the time by Bhakti Siddhanta, and the garland was given to him. Hmm? So, that was an auspicious sign, you can say, that he would become the great person that he was. Uh, he had been born only shortly thereafter, and it said that his umbilical cord was wrapped around his neck like the Brahmins wear their, their thread. Hmm? Miracles, uh, you know, uh, uh, and, and, uh, and uh, charming uh, pieces of uh, history and information for us. So, there was some, I want to say, a forecasting of his uh, his greatness uh, to come. I mentioned Bhakti Vinod named him uh, Bhimal Prashad. Uh, Bhimal is a, a reference to the Parashakti, really, um, the Sarup Shakti, as understood by, by Bhakti Vinod Thakur. And um, um, he was uh, uh, quite, uh, turned out to be quite a polite, a morally upright a uh, young man and quite um, uh, uh, of a scholarly uh, temperament. As I say, he was born in 1970, 1874, and um, by uh, 1900, hmm, he was initiated Diksha, given Diksha by Gorka Das Maharaj at the recommendation of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. He had met him also prior to that and um, was inspired by him uh, in brief, uh, at the time he was in, uh, a young man, obviously uh, uh, born in '74. So by by 1894, he was he was 20 years old. He got initiated at uh, what 26. Hmm? Um, but in his early life, he was very desirable from an academic point of view, from a religious point of view, and different groups uh, sought his patronage. Uh, that he might join them, and so on and so forth. Um, um, so he had some good material qualities, good learning, good character, uh, and so on and so forth. But when he met Gorgashardas Babaji Maharaj, um, he 
found somebody that didn't have any interest in him in the way that everyone else had interest in him. And he thought he must have something. And what is the worth of all the things that people are attracted to me for and the scholarship that I'm doing and so on and so forth. So it had a powerful influence that uh, on his life that, that uh, served to take him away from academics and so forth and uh, and uh, uh, devote his time to um, uh, spirituality. Not that he didn't have a spiritual um, orientation, but it's one thing to have a spiritual orientation, to be religious, to be a married, let's say a married person with a family and and uh, and so for another thing to be a um, uh, a sannyasi, and at a very early age, uh, he was part of the forming of what was called the August Assembly. It was a group of people get together and speak philosophy and um, and so forth, and uh, and they all vowed young men to be celibate their whole life. So he took that vow, and he followed that, um, which is remarkable. Hmm? And, um, and and again, by 1900, then he was successful after several attempts to get the attention of Gorkhashwaras Babaji Maharaj and receive his blessings in the form of Mantra Diksha, who had originally told him, well, um, I'll ask Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's opinion, see what he says. And then he came back and said, well, did, what did he say? He said, he, he didn't answer me. So Gorkhashwar was not interested in making disciples. Hmm? And um, he expressed this in relation to Bhakti Siddhanta. He used to keep himself uh, aloof uh, from any kind of praise, uh, wouldn't accept service from anybody. When he became famous as a Mahapurusha, to keep people away from him, because he would he was a renunciate. He used to wear for clothes the, 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 the uh, garments that were uh, left uh, found uh, in the cremation grounds. So uh, he was extremely uh, renounced type of person, so he became famous for that. So he became famous for that, then he, would, he, he got some silks and jewels and wore them <laughs> so that people would think he was just an enjoyer and they, would, they, wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't bother him hmm? um, in the name of service and so forth. But that didn't work. He was too... too too, too spiritual. Uh, uh, but um, just to give an example of, of, of what it was like, there was a famous uh, uh, landholder and businessman who had, uh, at the time, everything going for himself socially, but he didn't have a guru. He thought, I need to have a guru also so I can say, yes, I've got a guru. My guru is so-and-so. So he wanted to have the best guru, so he thought, I'll have Gorkishore as my guru. So he went to ask Gorkashore for initiation, and he was living in the field where people would pass stool so that no one would come and bother him. <laughs> and uh, so this fellow went there and said, I want to be a disciple, and, uh, and whatever you ask, I will do. He thought, he probably needs a hut, you know. I'm a wealthy landowner. I can give him a piece of land and build a house for him, you know, and I'll, and I'll have him as my guru, and I'll be famous for that, and so forth. So he said, whatever you ask, I'll do. And so Gorkashore said, he said, very well. I have only one request. Stay here with me and don't go home. So he ran away from the place. And uh, so this is the spiritual kind of genius, if you will, of 
Gorka Shardas Babaji Maharaj was not about to be cheated by anyone, deceived by anyone, by false shows of devotion. Ati Bhakti Lakshankoran said, Lakanchora said, too much bhakti is a sign of a thief. Because mm-hmm. bhakti is actually rare. <laughs> so, oh, I'll do anything, Guru Maharaj, you know, whatever you ask. Okay. <laughs> Stay here and don't go home. So, <laughs> so point is that he was not um, out for disciple making and and uh, and um, and succumbing as some people do in the name of making disciples to fame and um, um, false pride and so on and so forth. He was not at all like that, and he even um, dismissed. The earnest request of Bhakti Siddhanta to be uh, to, to to initiate him on several occasions, even when Gorkishore was very fond of Bhakti Vinod, the father of Bhakti Siddhanta, and used to sometimes come and hear his Bhagavatam discourses, and it was on the recommendation of Bhakti Vinod that Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasri Thakur was going to Gorkishore as Babaji Marsh. Still he resisted him. So he was and he was a good person of good character. Uh, desirable by others, learned, morally upright, and so a brahmachari, celibate, and so on and so forth. Um, uh, it's another point, of course, in all of this is that none of these things qualify us for bhakti. Hmm? What qualifies for bhakti is the, is the need for bhakti, the faith in bhakti's efficacy, which implies a lack of faith in my own abilities, hmm? because bhakti is a descending path, a path of grace. Our effort in bhakti is to get grace. It's not like the effort in in asana, uh, stanga yoga, or, or or gyan. It's an effort to get grace. That's a very effortless effort, if you will. It's a really acknowledgement of our shortcomings, the 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 the, the, the counterfeit uh, currency of physical, mental, and intellectual power under themselves, in terms of their providing purchasing power for real estate in the land beyond birth and death, they don't have that power under themselves. They can be used in conjunction with bhakti, obviously, and bhakti will take over the mind, the senses, the intellect. That's another thing. So, at any rate, uh, what's the qualification for bhakti? Hmm. Um, Faith in the efficacy of bhakti and a kind of a sense of necessity, need. We are really needy. If we recognize that, then that's the beginning of the solution to the problem predicament we find ourselves in. So he appealed fervently and he understood himself through the context of his appeals to the Gorkashordas Babaji Maharaj of, of how useless under themselves all of his credentials were at the same time. And after some time, at some point, Babaji Maharaj agreed and gave him uh, that blessing. And some people say he was the lone disciple of Gorgashodas Babaji Maharaj. Hmm? When Babaji Maharaj passed away, he made the samadhi and took care of his body and so on and so forth. Um, um, and so he was initiated, some history, in 1990. And by 19, 1900, excuse me, so he would have been 26 at that time. And by 1906, Six years later, which makes the Thakur Prabhupada na thirty-two, right? He initiated his first disciple, hmm? 
who he was he was speaking widely about Gaudiya Bhakti, hmm? Krishna Bhakti, in different circles, and uh, he was uh, a debater and um, uh, uh, guest speakers, and and everywhere he would be honored to speak. Um, he would speak, of course, about Gaudiya Vaishnava and the teaching of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and so forth. And he had a great command also of uh, of uh, astrology and astronomy and um, um, other uh, texts. But his, obviously, with, with his initiation, so was his his whole um, the central focus of his whole life and. Uh, and all was uh, Gaudiya Vaishnavism and what it was and the clear conception of it and so on and so forth. Um, so it's said that in 1906, I forget his, his name, but uh, he had a dream that he should go and get initiated by Bhaktisattva and he went and Sastri Thakur initiated him. Now this is an interesting point because in 1906 he initiated his first disciple and Bhaktivinoda Thakur, who was his guru, who gave him Harinam uh, initiation, and the Shringa Mantra, and then uh, earlier on, and then later, as I say, in 1900, he received the Diksha from Gorkashardas Babaji Maharaj. He received the Diksha from Gorkashardas Babaji Maharaj in, in an unconventional way from a person, it should be noted and underscored, who was very unconventional, Gorkashardas Babaji Maharaj. He was not your conventional guru. So the fact that the, that the initiation was unconventional corresponds with the unconventional character of Bhakti Vinod, of, of, of Gorkashore. Now, the point I bring this up, the reason I bring this up is because after the departure of Bhakti Siddhanta, some people, and he was a criti- critic of his own tradition, hmm. seeking to root out any hypocrisy within Gaudiya Vaishnavism, so he did ruffle some feathers. Um, and so after his passing, um, mm, some people began to rumor that he really was never initiated by Gorkashore. Where was his Dikshapatra, the letter of initiation, where was this formality, this formality, that, and so forth. They made a case like this against him, um, and he didn't have some of those things, but I'll give you an example of initiation. In Hari Bhakti Vilas, which is a smriti for Gaudiya Vaishnavas, gathered, collected by, by Sanatana Goswami, means all the procedures, how to do initiations, how to install the deity, how to do this, that, and the other thing. So there's a whole list of what involves initiation and so forth. You've got to go down the river and bathe at, in the, at uh, the Brahma Muhurta before sunrise and so forth. Well, so many things. Then he says, and if you can't do that, then you do it like this. It gives a, a moderated, uh, modified program. If you can't do that, do it like this. And then he says, and if you can't do that, give the mantra. <laughs> That's the essence of it, something like that. Hari Bhakti Vlas is full of things like this. In the end it says, this book was written for householders and doesn't apply to sannyasis. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, it's an important book. Hari Bhakti Vlas, Kijai, Sanatana Goswami, Kijai. So at any rate, um, <laughs> uh, he was initiated by, by, by Bhakti, Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsi Thakur. Bhaktisiddhanta was initiated by Gorka Shardas Babaji Maharaj in 1900. And in 1906, he himself began initiating when Gorka was still present in the world. Gorka left the world in 1915, and Bhakti Vinod, his Harinam guru and father, left in 1912. Hmm? I think it's 12. 14? I thought it was 12. Anyway, 
uh, my point is only this, that while uh, some people started a critique of Bhaktisiddhanta after his departure with um, stories like this and so forth, the whole thing is settled very easily by the fact that you say, I don't think he was even initiated. He was initiating in the presence of Bhaktivinoda with his blessings and in the presence of Gorkashodas Babaji with his blessings. So if he was initiating with their blessings, I don't think they were worried about it. So if they weren't worried about it, I don't think we have to worry about it either. <laughs> That's kind of the kind of the end of the story. Right? All the so so uh and that's the the history, mm-hmm. and um, gradually, um, under their influence, he um, well, I should say after their he was initiating, so he was forming kind of a, a mission, and Bhaktivinoda, of course, was this uh, very influential figure in our lineage who was the first to interface the Gaudiya tradition with the modern world. He wrote to Thoreau and Emerson, the first American transcendentalists, um, about Gaudiya Vaishnavism, um, sent his book, uh, what was the book? Uh, yeah, Chaitanya Precepts to, uh, to, uh, to, to Canada. Uh, it showed up in McGill University. And so he started this interface with the West. Of course, Calcutta at the time was this, the center of the British uh, Rod's British Empire in, 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 in India and so the West was at his, his doorstep and uh, so Bhaktisiddhanta kind of took the mantle from him to interface with the Western world he eventually developed the mission and became a sannyasi uh, in 1918 hmm? and sent missionaries ultimately even to uh, to Europe for the first time uh, meanwhile Prior to that, I should say, he traveled all over India and opened 64 um, uh, monasteries, which is an, a significant thing because if you understand the history, Gaudiya Vaishnavism was prominent in the Dhams. That means in Vrindavan, the abode of Krishna, in Navadvip, the abode of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and in Jagannath Puri. These are the three main places of pilgrimage for Gaudiya Vaishnavism, Jagannath Puri, Navadvip, and Vrindavan. So typically, the Gaudiya Vaishnavas, if you want to become a Gaudiya Vaishnava, you go to the Dham, you get initiated, and you and you stay there. Hmm? So um, while there was wide canvassing on the part of Nityananda and his associates, as we've explained before, how far can you go on foot? You know, uh, it's uh, they were widely throughout Bengal, which is a large area it, itself. Narutam Thakur went to Assam. Hmm? Um, but uh, that was hundreds of years ago. And in the modern world, Gaudiya Vaishnavism was pretty much uh, centered on these doms and not circulated throughout India. Whereas Bhaktisiddhanta went to the South India, to North India, to East West, and the temple in Madras, Kurukshetra on the other side, and so forth. He, he took a tour following the tour of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, as described in Chaitanya Charitamrita, when he traveled south, and all the places that are mentioned, he had a ceremony that he established uh, the, the footprints of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which were worshipped there, and so forth. So he was really um, taking the teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu all throughout the subcontinent of India in a way that hadn't happened uh, 
uh, even during the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and, and certainly not uh, afterwards, which is significant. Um, and it, 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 it speaks of a kind of enthusiasm for the teaching in the form of compassion, hmm, which is a form of love that will, should manifest in the Vaishnav prior to rasa, bhakti rasa, dasya, sakya, madhurya. Hmm? Therefore, vanchakalpaturubhyascha, kripasindurvyevacha, patitanum bhavanibhivashnamibhanamonama, paradukuduki kripambudhi. These statements are there. The Vaishnavas are kripasindu. We, we know that Krishna himself is um, impassable, which is good. Impassable means that, that um, well, it means he's, he's, he's beyond the world and aloof. He has no experience, it means, of material suffering. Krishna has no experience of material suffering, and that's good because material suffering arises out of ignorance. So if he did, he'd be in ignorance, and he couldn't be the figure who he is to bring about the salvation of others. Hmm? Um, but if Krishna has no experience of material suffering, then his ability to be compassionate towards those who have and empathetic is lacking, because when we have the same experience of others, we can be empathetic. He has knowledge of the suffering of others, just like we have knowledge that it must have hurt that bug that just died on my windshield. Oh well, can you spray it, clean it off? We may know, but we don't. We don't make a movement about it. Stop windshields, because bugs are dying. You know, um, we know about it, but it's like something like that. So God knows the mechanisms of our suffering, but He has no experience of that. Hmm? Therefore, it said what? That how he has compassion for his devotees. He knows their plight. He knows the feelings of separation and love. Well, once you come under the influence of the Sarup Shakti under Bhakti, that's Krishna's circle. So he has a robust emotional life under the influence of the Sarup Shakti. So when you come under that, to whatever extent, then you make a connection with Krishna. Then you can receive his direct compassion. But if you're under the influence of the Maya Shakti only, that's not his orbit. So your whole life, emotional life, and there, he's aloof from that. He has no experience of that. But his devotees, the Vaishnavas, they have experience of that. Hmm? They got grace through other Vaishnavas, and so when they see other people suffer, they are, they're naturally compassionate to them. So it's said that the compassion of Krishna for the conditioned beings is extended through the devotees who are his kripa-shakti. I mean, his shakti of kripa, of mercy, is manifest in them. And we refer to him as such, kripa-sindubya. They are oceans of compassion. So my point only is this, um, that the Vaishnav compassion is... Um, it, it kind of defines the Vaishnav in terms of his or her sadhaka-deha, life in this world. Hmm? And... Uh, of course, it's arising. We were saying this the other night. It's an interesting thing because we find these great Vaishnavas who want to save the world. Hmm? Right? Liberate the whole world. It's a beautiful idea. But in the Gita, Krishna says, 
Manushyanam sahasreshu kaschid yatadisidaya yatatamapi sedanam kaschid maam vetitatvata. It's very rare. Sudulava prashantatma kotishvapi mahamui. For one person to be liberated. Hmm? You think that's going to change? Is that verse going to change at some point? In the whole material world, is always going to be there. There's always this is the Shristi Leela. There's always, but Vaishnavas, nonetheless, they're kind of blinded by their compassion. They want to liberate the whole world. They engage us on the on the power of their compassion. We don't even have it, but by the power of their compassion, we're compelled to try to walk in the same shoes and so forth, and open a center and reach out to people and so on and so forth. And that helps us to be one of the few who, among thousands who will be liberated because it's absorbing. Hmm? And this is the kind of work of Bhakti Siddhanta. He thought, if I engage people in trying to liberate others and trying to explain these doctrines to others, it have, will have great power to consume their mind. It's a form of kirtan. Hmm? And kirtan, as we saw in the life of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, says, as I was saying earlier, the force of the kirtan will turn one inward in due course, naturally, for inner life and, and meditative service in the lila and so forth. So he envisioned this idea, let's make a big kirtan, big, and it, it involved like printing, writing books in ways that hadn't been done in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. And he employed, in this regard, his kirtan consumed the, fi- the fire, if you will, the metaphorical fire of his sacrifice of Sankirtan. kirtan, Sankirtan Yajna, as it's called. Yajnai Sankirtana prayer. Yajanti Hisu Medas. Who have a little brain in Kali Yuga that said they'll worship Krishna with Sankirtan. So his idea was that the, the um, things of the world that um, promote its worldliness can be consumed in the fire of Sankirtan and be used in, in, in the service of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So, the printing press, he called it the big drum, hmm, the Brihat Mardanga, because it could be heard around the world, not just down the block. And and then he, he was a sannyasi, and typically uh, the sannyasis would walk barefoot, never take a conveyance and so forth, but he rode in a, in a car, not only a rickshaw or on a horse or a cow, you know, ox-driven cart, but in a car. I mean, this was 19... 10, you know, 1912. And so people thought, what kind of sadhu is this? Amongst the typical sadhus, even in the Gaudi tradition, he's deviating from the tradition. He must be influenced by worldliness. Meanwhile, the British thought, hey, this sadhu's kind of (laughs) cool. And that was his objective, right? Mm -hmm. And he he thought, the the, the power of Sankirtan is that it can consume the world. It can take worldly things and transform them into instruments hmm, for making one, helping one to transcend worldliness and so forth. And as much as he employed such things, they never overwhelmed him, right? Hmm? It was the power of his bhakti. So a huge mission he had in, into the cities and major metropolitan areas, not just staying in the holy jungle, the dom, you know, it's a safe environment and so forth. So he had that kind of power and that kind of um, compassion and and we will of course as we progress in our bhakti this kind of universal compassion should arise within us prior to really rasa hmm? 
because it's the low end of the love spectrum. You understand? Compassion for the world is a beautiful thing, but it unto itself doesn't compare with sakirasa, madhurya rasa, right? Even 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 um, uh, those who are not bhaktas, Buddhists may have compassion for, for people of the world, but they don't have madhurya rasa, they don't have sakirasa. So Vaishnavism is 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 universal compassion plus, if you will. So when we see an example of that kind of compassion, then we must there must be more inside there. As, as well, dedicated as, as he was to such a thing, and we were all, of course, a, uh, you know, a product of that. Because, as I say, while he circulated widely in India hmm, in ways that hadn't been done before, giving a, a name, reputation to Gaudiya Vaishnavism and to Bhaktivinoda Gorakhshore and the lineage and so forth, he also sent missionaries to Europe. Hmm? Bhakti Pradeep Tirthamaraj. Bharti Hridai Bon Maharaj, and I think Submitananda, these were the three that were first sent. They went to London, they went to Germany. Um, these were, this was a huge thing. At that time, of course, England was the most influential country in the world. It said the sun never shot, never set in the British Empire. Hmm? Now, of course, it never shines, we think, because of all of their offenses to the, to the Indian people. <laughs> but, uh, 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 this is the beginning of his worldly outreach. Now, Pujapatrita Marsh, again, who wrote this song that we sang, told us that Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, and that was a beautiful thing because I had association of my Prabhupada, and he had a very reverential relationship towards Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. So we got a little glimpse. If you would mention Bhakti Siddhanta, he would kind of tear up, and he was very tight lipped. He didn't say much about Bhakti. He said, like, it's like, what can I say? He's my guru. That was, that was the kind of thing, a response he would say. Uh, he, he didn't say much about him at all, uh, which was inspiring and made us feel like he's, he's great and so forth. Sridhar Maharaj, of course, had much more personal association with uh, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, being a sannyasi in the mission and so forth. And so he had very many stories about the mission and how it worked and the preaching strategies of Bhakti Siddhanta and the, the, the encounters and, and the the obstacles that he in, in, in encountered and so forth. And, and it was, so it was very interesting to have this association and hear that side. When I had association to promote Puri Marsh, then I got another side. He was initiated before those two, before Prabhupada and Sridhar Marsh, and he had very intimate times with Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. And from him I could feel the love that Bhakti Siddhanta had for his disciples. Hmm how he saw them as his own limbs and so forth, to what extent he would go, while they would sleep on, on the floor and he would come and tender to them, and these kind of stories. And you could feel it from... Uh, for, 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 like, for, for, like for Prabhupada, it was like Bhaktisiddhanta was a great general, hmm? and for Sridhar uh similar, but he was a lieutenant himself, so you know he was a little closer in and so forth. And for Puri Maharaj, it's like, this This is my father, you know, <laughs> something like that. Uh, you got that kind of feeling. It was very, very beautiful. Um, but at any rate, Sridhar Marsh told us that Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur expressed a desire on more than one occasion to spend a decade preaching in America. 
Now, this was before World War II, so he had a vision. The implication is that America would become the most prominent country in the world, which they did after World War II. He sent missionaries to London um, and to Germany. They went, um, but he wanted to go to America. But he passed from the world in 1936, hmm? and he didn't have the opportunity to do that. But, of course, Sridhar said that he felt that he got ten years plus two in the person of his disciple, Shri Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, who for twelve years moved in the, in the Americas and Europe as well but, and preached. Hmm? So, desire, desire fulfilled hmm? through his own extension, his own disciple, and through that disciple, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, of course, we are connected with him and also with Sridhar Maharaj and other greats that I, I mentioned and the whole Gaudiya Sampradaya. Hmm? He himself was a follower of Gorkashore and Bhaktivinoda. These were his two gurus. Bhaktivinoda Thakur, again, the first person to interface with the modern world, wrote so many books, poems, songs. I mean, it's just a, a huge uh, literary contribution that he made. And innovative also was his style and presentation. He considered himself to be a sweeper in the streets before the Sankirtan party of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? And Bhakti Siddhanta said, and I'm one straw in the broom of Bhakti Vinod. Hmm? One straw in the broom of Bhakti Vinod, he felt. Uh, with this in mind, uh, such humility, he, he took charge. <laughs> it's an interesting concept because you think a humble person would just stay away, and, but he came out hmm? humble, humble before his guru and like a lion before Maya, something like that. And uh, he was sometimes referred to Singha Guru, like a lion-like guru. He was very commanding and powerful. And uh, so, in this way, we are all connected with him, and we are fortunate to gather on this occasion and say something about him and try to uh, invoke his, his presence here this tonight, Bhakti, uh, here tonight. Bhakti Sansa Sitakur Prabhupada Hijai. Jai. Gaur Bhakta Vrindaki Jai. Gaur Premanande. Was the time? Okay, so we stop there. Chisidauji Gopal. Jai. Jai. Jai.